Non-compete clauses have been a standard in veterinary practice for years, but has their time come? Should we dish non-competes? And if so, what can we replace them with? This week, we've got an expert to talk all things non-competes. You don't want to miss this one, viewfinders. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And this week, we're going to talk about an old business standard called the non-compete clause. And basically, if you don't know what that is, stay tuned because we're going to tell you all about that. But before we get into that interesting conversation and introduce you to an exciting guest, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, I got to tell you, this is a week of weeks for me. We are in the final stages of preparing for the 27th annual Calabash Tree Lighting and Parade. And you know what that means for the Ward family. You know, I've (laughs) taken this journey with you for the last six years. Uh, I do know what this means Uh, for the Ward family. And I am Ward family adjacent (laughs) at this time of year. But I I, honestly, I've watched the passion you guys put into this uh, every single year. And I live really close. I spend a lot of time on your island and we live in the same county. And so I know how important this tree lighting is for our community. And honestly, I'm kind of proud to know you being out there doing the thing. <laughs> well, viewfinders, in case you wanted a little quick visual, if you came to our house right now, you would see basically three gigantic staging areas. Uh, one is for this massive PA that I have to put up and run and figure out what works and what doesn't work every year. So we have this big roadside uh, parade where there's PAs and blah, blah, blah. And then we have a main stage where we have singers and dancers. And then, so those are two big stages that we have to put up. Then we we have to do the uh, toy drive, right? So we raise a toy, we get toys and we food for seniors and all this stuff. So you got that going on. And then on top of all that, we have all these children's events that we host at the event. So it's like, Becky, yeah, my brain is fried today, but it's not fried because we got to talk about an important topic. That is non-compete clauses. Becky, you ever seen a non-compete clause at one of your workplaces? So the cool thing is technicians very, very rarely. I know you have me under a pretty strict podcast non-compete. <laughs> It'll be 15 years if we ever, if we ever part. Yes, yeah, 15 years, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, I, but I, but I do know a lot of veterinarians who are under them. And I can actually say as a client have experienced it in um, the board certified surgeon who took um well, she's done a lot of work in my house. She did the amputation for my uh, Daisy, God rest her soul. And she replaced both the knees on my pity. Um, there was a time when she wasn't allowed to work in the county because of a previous job that she had. And so even as a client, I felt the impact as of the non-compete. So I'm just going to humbly say I have a unique perspective on this kind of from both sides. Right. And, and viewfinders, I've used them in the past. I can tell you that 30 years ago when I started my first clinic, yep, that was standard business practice. But today, things have changed. And we've got an expert, Paul Diaz, who's going to tell us all about this, what we need to know. Paul, welcome to the Veterinary Viewfinder. Thank you both for having me. I'm excited to um, excited to be here with you both. Well, listen, before we get into all the nitty gritty details of a non-compete and why things have changed around the, the viewpoints around that, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Absolutely. So I am a U.S. Marine Corps veteran with over 21 years of experience leading recruiting teams in multiple industries. Most recently, um, I led 
I was the vice president of physician recruiting for a family practice medical group that's in the human healthcare industry out in Los Angeles. Um, after that, I transitioned into veterinary medicine where I was the vice president of DVM recruiting for one of the nation's largest veterinary employers. During my time with them, I led that team to 1,100, actually a little over 1,100 DVM hires in just two years. Um, once I left that organization, I decided to start my own company, Higher Power Consulting. Right. But I did so with the intent of doing things differently. I didn't want to operate like the rest of the um, third-party um, recruiting agencies who generally seek out hospital clients first and then try to find the talent to fit that role. Instead, what I do is I represent the talent's interests. So I find the doctors, the doctors will come to me first, they'll tell me what they're looking for in a position, and then I go and find them that job. Um, I also handle all the ne uncomfortable negotiations, which veterinarians, at least generally speaking, most um, just aren't comfortable doing. Um, and then I will present an offer to them upfront before they spend any time in the employer screening process, primarily because I understand and respect the value of a veterinarian's personal time. Um, I just don't think the traditional hiring process really does. So that's why I do things a little differently. And it's been relatively successful for me. Yeah. And Paul, you know, I was familiar with you, uh, your big job <laughs> when you worked for that very large corporation. So, you know, obviously I, I will say viewfinders, this is a guy who's definitely uh, been around and has been proven himself in many, uh, many areas. And thank you for your service. But Paul, let's get back to, to hiring today. Okay. And, and what has often, you know, been a standard of the hiring process is a non-compete clause. So for those out there who are a bit unfamiliar, maybe they've never actually seen one, but they've heard about it. Give us just the brief sketchy details about, you you know, what is a non-compete? Well, the original intent of the non-compete was to prevent individuals from opening another business next to the business that they were currently employed by. Um, but that has evolved over the years to now restrict the individual, the individual veterinarian, from simply working in their own hometown, right? So it's not necessarily about opening that business anymore. It's about their restricting their ability to work. And that's where I have the biggest problem. And you know, um, Dr. Ward, I spent most of my career in California. Uh, when I worked in the veterinary industry for that corporation, I was in California. And my job wasn't to speak with the actual doctors. My team did that. But having, you know, essentially grown up in California, non-competes were never an issue for me. It was just something that I never thought about. Then I started my own business, and now I'm the one having those conversations with these doctors. And these horror stories just started hitting my desk one after the other about the damage that these non-competes are doing to veterinarians. And that's that's what really kind of precipitated this advocacy. Right. right? Um, it was one story from a veterinarian that I published on LinkedIn, and Vin ended up picking it up. The title is called Suffering Silence, yep. where this veterinarian, she was a relatively new veterinarian, um, she was offered this, what she thought was an incredible job, all these promises, mentorship, um, you know, great work schedule, great work-life balance. And within three months of working there, or within a few months of working there, she started realizing those promises weren't kept, but she signed that non-compete. And she was, she had a family in that town, right? She, she, she had roots in that town. She didn't want to pick up and move. 
And to find a job outside of the radius, I mean, it would have required her to make an extended commute, which caused all kinds of other issues, and she had nowhere to turn. Luckily, she had a friend who utilized my service. She recommended her to me. And then when I spoke to her, I knew that I had to do something about it. I was lucky enough to find her, um, find her another job. And I actually spoke to the practice owner and I was able to negotiate, um, I, was, I was able to negotiate an offer that basically terminated the non-compete. Right. And at the end of the day, all he wanted was money. Yep. That's all this was about. Yeah. And to be honest with you, that is all non-competes are about. They're a mechanism that employers use to control the revenue because the veterinarians, or at least the veterinary industry, is one of the few industries in which a majority, I'd say over 90% of the revenue is generated off the back of one single job classification. Right. And that's the veterinarian. So if I get you to sign that non-compete and I prevent you from working for, for my competition, that's how I get to control that piece of the market share. And it's just, a, it's a, it's an archaic tactic. It's just absolutely horrible. The effect that it has on veterinarians, not just financially, but mental health as well. You know, when, when you're stuck in a toxic work environment and you feel like you can't go anywhere else because you signed this and you dedicated your life to this industry, I mean, what's left for you? Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, viewfinders, the, the history of it, I think it's, it started, originated in a good place. Uh, I can tell you, we use this because, you know, we were protecting our business. We didn't want, you know, we live in a very rural area and we didn't want another, you know, vet coming in and leaving our clinic and building up our clientele and taking them to another, you know, their own business. So I think it started out okay, you know, Paul, but it kind of got twisted. And I think now in today's era, I mean, we evolve, right? Becky, you know, he, Paul did mention one thing that 90% of the income, is really, you know, born on the backs of one job description, the veterinarian. And already right there, that shows you how how backwards the, the economy is, right? Uh, I feel like it's how backwards I'm having a hard time with that one because I'm like, it might be on the back of the veterinary technician. Um, right. But yeah, I don't know. I, um, I, I, I think just in general – we have an upside down view of the economics in our industry. We, you know, I think we run scared constantly. We're always afraid of losing, losing clients. We're always afraid of a, a, one of our practitioners taking all of our clients, like the, the hoarding possessive controlling nature of uh, most of the veterinary individuals and hospitals and practices that I've worked with and seen that I feel like feeds this need for these non-competes that there is a continued control factor. Um, and I, I think that they think it'll undermine their business. But again, honestly, I think these are the conversations we have to have and ask the questions because what's going to happen here is it, like you said, we're running the business on the backs of these individuals instead of running our business in a way, like I keep saying, my hairdresser will not be concerned if a cost cutter moves next door, right? I guess right, that's what the right. bottom line is, right? Is if right. we're, if we are a concierge service and if we lose a few clients because we had a really great veterinarian, then I mean, I guess great, right? But I think we worry about the wrong thing. Yeah, for sure. So, Paul, so the, the legalities around this have shifted also in my tenure over the last 30 years. I mean, at one time, states were pretty agnostic on it. But now many states have moved to basically enact uh, legislation and regulations that would prohibit non-competes from being enforced. Is that correct? 
That is correct. There's um, several states that um, have deemed non-competes as illegal or unethical, um, and they do not they, they do not enforce those clauses. California being obviously right. one of the biggest. Um, the issue, though, is that you know it's just it, it's not taking a foothold quickly enough, right? And as far as I'm concerned, if if this non-compete clause even has the potential to damage the mental health of one veterinarian. To me, that's just one too many. And I continually call out the hypocrisy that we see in this industry because all of these employers who require non-competes will promote how much they care about their veterinarians and how positive a culture they have. But you know, behind closed doors, they're gonna get you to sign this agreement, okay? Yeah. And the other thing is, is that I've been advocating for this for about a year now. January will be one full year, okay? Back in, I think it was early, the first week in January this year, I made an announcement that my company would no longer support any hospital that required a non-compete. Yes, I took a big hit in my business, but I firmly believe that if I'm going to, that I need to walk the talk. But none of these employers, none of these employers were willing to talk to me about it. None of them have defended their policy. They just, they're, they're essentially burying their head in the sand and just hoping that I go away. Now, um, Becky, I want to just go back to something you mentioned about taking clients. And, and Dr. Dr. Ward, you mentioned something about, you know, we didn't want folks to open another business next to us. Those are some of the arguments that I still get from certain practice owners. Not many, but every now and then somebody will pop their head up and try to engage me on this topic. The non-compete does not protect clients. Okay. Most practice owners will depend on the veterinarian to create that relationship with the client. And, and I get that, right? But if you as a business owner are not creating an environment, a, a, a client experience that brings loyalty to your brand, that is your fault. Exactly. Exactly. Now, yeah. if I, if I decide, if, if my veterinarian leaves and goes you know, to another hospital 15 miles away, that's a decision that I, as a client, get to make for myself, right. whether or not I want to drive there, okay? Right. But requiring a doctor to sign and non-compete is not going to protect your clients. It's how you treat them and what you do for them and how you differentiate your business from the others. That's how you protect your clients. Now, the other thing is, is about, you know, I get these arguments where, hey, I don't want to I don't want my doctor to leave and open up a hospital next, you know, across the street. That's the example everybody says. Number one, I haven't heard of any doctors doing that. I'm sure it may have happened, but it's not prevalent. The other thing is, is that there's a, there's a fundamental process that business owners go through before they decide whether or not they're going to open a business. And the first step is the business plan. And part of that business plan is that market saturation research. Now, I can work the numbers out on this very easily, right? Because there's only a finite number of clients that any one hospital can see, right? You have X number of doctors, you're open for this number of hours, your patient or your patient interactions are this long, do the math, that's how many clients you can see. Now, if I'm gonna decide to open up another hospital, I need to determine if there's enough business for me to do so. And if there is, well then guess what? that community will most likely welcome another veterinary hospital. Good point. Right? And chances are, you're yes, are you going to lose some clients? Possibly. But it's not going to be, 
significantly damaging, especially if you've done what you need to do as a business owner to retain your clients. The bottom line is people don't want to wait. I don't want to wait two, three weeks to bring Stella into the hospital. I don't. So if another one opens up and enables me to get her to see a doctor much quicker, well, then I'm going to go there. Right? That's the bottom line. It's the, it's the clients that make those decisions. The non-compete does not protect any of those things. All it does is restricts the doctor's ability to practice medicine and to earn a living. That is it. This is just about the doctors. Well, so what it was making making me think a little bit about there was the technician side of that. And I can't tell you how many times I've left a clinic and had clients contact me to find out where I went because of how I handled their pet and left the clinic to follow the technician or at least would say, like, if I need a blood draw, I'm going over there to get blood work done because Becky's the only one that isn't afraid my dog's going to eat her face off. To be perfectly honest, those are the only ones sure. that ever, ever followed me were the ones that I, I worked with their dogs in sort of a fear-free handling way. Um, or at least felt desperate to find me, I guess I want to say. And I think that's the other part of this, right, is that client impact. Because turnover creates, hmm, I should say, turnover prevents client loyalty in a lot of ways. I hear clients say all the time, Every time I come in here, there's a new receptionist, there's a new technician, yep. they pay attention. So that client, tur that turnover, that environment, right? Like you're talking about the culture, the, the experience, that is is what I think the client is the most sensitive to. And I think it's an interesting thing because when, when I ask people, where do you take your pet? They will either say, I take them to doctor so-and-so at such-and-such, -such, or I take them to hospital ABC, and they have no idea who their doctor is. And right. it tells me very distinctly Absolutely. if they're going for that experience and they just love every doctor that's there and it's great. Or if they're hooked in for that one veterinarian and they would find them no matter what. And so yeah. I, I think you make a really good point about understanding client saturation. I think you make a good point about let's look at the real reality. Who is building clinics across the street? And then also, again, I think we have to look at, it's not about building a bigger moat. I mean, you're, you're right, not going right. to keep them out. At this point, they're getting to your clients through the internet at their home. Yep. This is truly going to be about how your client feels walking in and out and how they perceive their pet's experience. Yeah. So, Paul, uh, a couple of quick things I want to touch on with you. Uh, number one, I want to talk about it from the business owner's perspective. And the thing we went to, you know, uh, maybe after 10 years or so of doing this, you know, we started in 1993 with my first clinic. We went to a non-solicitation uh, co covenant. And, uh, I, you know, again, what do you think about that? So basically, viewfinders, if you're not sure what that means, it, it, you can work in the area, but you can't take my client list and contact them and say, hey, come and visit me down the road in my new clinic. So what do you say to, to people that want to enforce that kind of? I, I am in, I am in full support. I'm in full support of non-solicitations and NDAs. The one thing that I am very careful of now, I offer a free contract review service for all veterinarians and those that I am actually finding a job for, or just reviewing contracts. I always pay very close attention to those non-solicits because what employers will write in there is there's a statement in there about directly or indirectly soliciting, okay? Now, I have not found a single employer who can define indirectly, but I can tell you what I believe it means, right? Now, what ends up happening is when you get a new job somewhere, that hospital is going to promote you. 
They're going to put a sign out front and say, hey, Dr. Ward is here. You know, come see Dr. Ward. They're going to do everything they can to garner um, more business because they have a new doctor at their hospital. Sure. Well, that can be considered indirect solicitation. Hmm. But every single employer does that. Even the employer that you're signing that contract for, they are going to promote you. Wow. You know, that's interesting, Paul, because we were specific in this. Like the language would be you could not use our name to represent yourself in the future. So so basically you couldn't. That's the way it should be. Oh, okay. Well, hey, I think we were doing something that's the right. Way should, the, way you're describing, <laughs> the way you're describing is the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. But what too many people are doing nowadays is they're putting... They're saying directly or indirectly. Gotcha. Just to cover all the bases. Really broad. Yeah. And I tell all doctors, have them strike indirectly out. Yeah. Fair enough. Right. Because your new hospital is going to want to promote you. Right. Right. Your current hospital is going to want to promote you. And that's no, you shouldn't be restricted and you shouldn't be held accountable for something that that, your new employer is going to, that any employer is going to do. Yeah, that's the, that's that's what I want to jump into now. So so let's say viewfinders, you're out there, uh, and the reason I wanted to start with that, with like what what was my solution in our practices was this non solicitation uh, was. Uh, you know, we want to give you an option because you're going to go into a, a contract negotiation and they're going to say non-compete and you can't work anywhere within 15 miles for two years or whatever they say, Paul, right? It doesn't matter. The details aren't really what's the issue. The issue is you can't work, right? So they're going to say, well, hey, you know, no, I can't take that out. I got to protect myself. I'm going to pay you and train you and all this stuff. So Paul, I think it's really important if you're negotiating to say, hey, you know what? Here's a better substitute, one that's more legally sound and is more fair to both of of us. And so you, I think if you're out there right now and you're looking at a job and you're looking at a contract and you're thinking of how to negotiate in or out, I mean, Paul, to me, that's the first thing is to always give your, not opponent, but the person that you're negotiating with in this instance, uh, an alternative, right? And that's a safer landing. And that's exactly what I do with my clients. I advise them, hey, tell them that you'll, no problem, not solicit. Oh, well, we've got information that we want to make sure you don't share. Well, that's covered with a non-disclosure sure, agreement, right? Right. There are ways to protect your intellectual property, but the doctor is not your intellectual property. Right, right. That medical degree that that doctor earned is not your intellectual property. They should be able to practice wherever they want. I haven't met a veterinarian. I have not met a single veterinarian who said, I got into veterinary medicine to treat sick animals that come into just this building. No. These doctors are some of the most compassionate humans walking this earth, and all they care about is taking care of any animal that needs them. But when you sign the non-compete, you're preventing yourself from doing that. Yeah. And I'll tell you too, viewfinders, in just practical terms, you know, like when we would lose doctors and they would move, you know, this of course was, was enforceable, you know, so we had this non-solicitation and, and they couldn't, you know, represent themselves as being a former employee. And every one of them, Paul, you know, would write back to us or call me and say, Hey, you know, I'm now, and look, let's be honest, Paul, these are people that moved out of my city. So, you know, they weren't a direct threat to me anymore as far as business competition goes. And, and they would say, Hey, is it okay if I say, you know, worked with, Dr. Ward or, you know, worked at Seaside Animal Care or worked to whichever clinic, right? And and we always granted that because, you know, again, I think that that in practical terms, guys, it's not nearly as scary as it sounds, but you've got to protect yourself against this non-compete, you know, because otherwise you are you're handcuffed. And here's the thing, Dr. Ward, as a business owner, I, I get it, right? I understand everybody, we want to make as much money as possible. We want our business to be profitable. We want to generate revenue, but Competition 
is not something to be fearful of. Competition creates or it, 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 it creates evolve. It, it enables people to evolve. It enables businesses to evolve. And it, it creates a, a creative environment where you now have to think differently. Right. But so many people are just afraid of competition because they've been operating the way they've been operating for so many years and they just want to continue doing that. Well, you know what? That's just not reality anymore. Right? Businesses need to evolve. They need to change the way they, they, they need to change their cultures to help re, to retain talent, especially in the veterinary industry where we know there's a significant shortage. But the non-compete is just not the way to do yeah, it. Amen. Right? I mean, if I, I say you compete, compete with your culture, right? Compete with how you treat your doctors, respect them, pay them fairly, all that good stuff. That's how you retain them. Yep. But what I'm seeing with these non-competes is that these employers would rather see you not work than have you work for somebody else. And that's just wrong. I think that's like kind of fascinates me because you're right. Compete with them. <laughs> Don't tell them they can't compete with you. Exactly. You know, like I think we, again, we put the focus on the wrong thing. I lean into a little bit of the imposter syndrome here that I see in our profession. I think there's a lot of emotional and mental health issues that make us feel insecure. So we, we put these control factors in place because we don't believe we're good enough or we don't think we're doing a good enough job. And so you know, look internally, look for your own self-improvement, look at your turnover rates, because they make a lot bigger difference than your need to control the people who are coming in and out of your clinic. Absolutely. Yeah, amen. So Paul, in the last couple of minutes here, you know, again, for viewfinders, give, uh, and let's stick with the the young veterinarian or maybe veterinary technician who is, they found a dream job, but uh-oh, hidden in that contract is this non-compete. What do they do? What, what, what are your recommendations? My main recommendation is that anybody searching for a position make it known up front that you will not sign a non-compete okay this is the this is what i am trying to do the whole point of my advocacy is to empower veterinarians to understand how much power they have veterinary technicians as well the technicians are the backbone of this industry the hospital cannot operate without them but this the the power it, it Employers feel as if they're the ones in the driver's seat, but the truth is it's those veterinaries, veterinarians and the veterinary technicians. Those folks, I mean, the, everybody in that hospital, as far as I'm concerned, that's where the power lies. And you relinquish your power when you sign that non-compete. So what I'm advising everybody to do is just make it known up front. Just say, I will not sign a non-compete. And the easiest and quickest way to change this industry is for all veterinarians to align behind this. And once that happens and I get enough veterinarians to just raise their hand and say, I'm not signing non-competes, watch how quickly these employers start changing their policies because they're not going to risk losing that revenue. They're not going to close their shops. They're not going to go out of business. They're simply going to come out and say something like, hey, you know, we've been considering this and we think now is the right time to end the non-compete. Well, we're all going to know that that's BS, but who cares? As long <laughs> right. as the result is achieved, right. right? As long as the result is achieved, that's all I care about. But you know, my advocacy, uh, a lot of it is done on LinkedIn, and I have been very vocal. I will call out these employers, I will call out their executives, and they are all just ignoring it. But the thing is, is that the veterinarians are not. And you know what? I just, if you can give me one more minute, if there's something that happened just this week. That was extremely encouraging for me because 
through this advocacy, sometimes I was getting discouraged because I didn't feel like um, I was getting a lot of public support. Now, privately, I get messages all the time, very supportive messages from veterinarians, and that's what keeps me in the fight. And then I started realizing that many of them weren't commenting publicly, and I asked a few of them why, and the answer was the same. They feared retaliation from their employer, which I get. I respect that. And I would never ask them to do anything that would put them in a bad situation. But just this week, a friend of mine sent me screenshots from Reddit. Now, I have never logged into Reddit. Okay. okay? Um, <laughs> Don't do I've it. I've <laughs> never been on that website because I looked at it one time. I was confused and never went back. But my friend sent me screenshots, and apparently there is a huge number of veterinarians talking about me on Reddit. So for those folks, if you're listening to this, I want to say thank you. I like those, the messages that I that I was that I was sent were just so positive, and that's I mean it just filled my cup. And I want to thank you all for doing that. I am now going to join Reddit so I can engage with that audience. <laughs> but I I just thought it was incredible, right? Because now on Reddit they can say what they want because it's anonymous. Yeah, be careful um, out there, Paul. <laughs> but, oh, I will. I absolutely will. But um. You know, I just, again, I want to, all the veterinarians that are supporting this initiative, thank you so much for it. Um, you are you are the folks that I'm fighting. Gosh, I wish I'd have gotten this point across even better is that, you know, if, if you imagine an industry where every veterinarian simply said, I'm not signing it, right, then that power shifts dramatically to those hospital-based employees, to the veterinarians and the veterinary technicians. Um, so that's kind of where I'm getting at with this advocacy. I just, I need to get in front of as many veterinarians and, and educate them and empower them to just say no, because these employers will bend. And here's the thing. When I told you guys, I, I made that announcement about my company where we no longer support hospitals that require non-competes. Right. Well, here's what happened. When I find a candidate and I call a hospital, the first thing I ask them is, Hey, are you hiring? They say, yeah, Absolutely. And then I say, well, I've got a candidate interested in your location. Do you require non-competes? And they say, well, yes, we do. And then my next thing is, well, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, I can't place my candidate with you. Uh, we don't work with hospitals that require non-competes. And immediately, Dr. Ward, all of a sudden, that non-compete is no longer important to them. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The doctor. I love it. All right. right. So that's a good point. Now, this, now that's what the any. private practices. Got it. And that's, you know, the, I'm, most of those are private practices. But if I can yeah. get a hundred doctors to do that to a VCA or an NVA, get a thousand doctors to do that to that's the same response we will get from those major employers. We just need more people to do it. So Yep. And for your little guys looking to leverage against those big guys, right? They they say, I can't compete with those guys. I can't compete with those guys. Maybe you can. You know, maybe the way to compete is a non-compete. Oh. Look at that. You can put that right on a business card. <laughs> that's I that, love it. I that's love what it. I tell. <laughs> You know, that's the other thing I'm telling people, right? That's the, that's the, like the biggest differentiator that you could have right now. Imagine yeah. if like an NDA or one of those major corporates said, hey, we're ending non-competes. All the candidates are going to drive to them first now. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand why they don't, they don't get it. Uh, it's, a, it's apparent. We've got an amazing uh, Marine Corps veteran here who is now fighting for our rights in veterinary medicine. Paul Diaz, I can't thank you enough for not only your advocacy in this particular issue, but just in spending time with the Viewfinder family today and sharing your expertise. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much. I appreciate That's you for fine. this opportunity. 
what do you guys think? Are you guys doing the non-compete thing? Are you not doing the non-compete thing? I, I'm really interested to hear because I think it's a matter that's evolving. And what do you think about Paul's suggestion? Are you like, are, are, have you pulled over to breathe in a paper bag or are you screaming, <laughs> yes, let's do this? We want to hear from you. You guys can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. You can definitely Gmail us at veterinaryviewfinder@gmail.com, uh, but... We're gonna. We're, we're. I don't. Just don't. We're not tweeting. Okay. Let's just. We're, it's not gonna <laughs> we're not look good. Right now. <laughs> You're not gonna find us over on the twits. So, uh, sorry. Um, we might have to start looking into TikTok, Ernie. I don't know, but oh I think boy, we're not we may. We may. Guys, we'll have soon. links to Paul but Diaz in his. Guys, we'll have Paul Diaz's links in our show notes, and we hope you are having a great start to your holiday season. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for having me.